Welcome to Visionaries. I'm your host, Jacob Wolf, a former ESPN award-winning investigative journalist and the CEO and founder of Overcome. Today's episode, we welcome on Cutie Cinderella, one of the most successful creators on all of Twitch and YouTube in the gaming slash gaming adjacent entertainment world. That's a mouthful, but we're there's not a particular way to describe this type of content. For those maybe unfamiliar with Cutie Cinderella, she is the host of the Streamer Awards, which debuted last year, which is an award show voted on and honoring streamers in the live streaming community. She organizes that event. She co-hosted it this past year. She's also just known for sort of pushing the envelope among her peers for creating new types of content around events. She's hosted everything from fun Beyblade tournaments inside of a boxing ring to what is colloquially known as shit camp, which is a sort of camp out weekend for a week with a bunch of top creators and sort of them creating content around them disconnected from the internet in a way that they usually don't get to do. So a lot of her content has become extremely inspiring to, I think, a lot of young content creators trying to enter this space. And she's made quite the name for herself. And so we've wanted to have her on this podcast for some time. I'm really excited for you all to hear this conversation because I think it was representative of a broader movement inside the gaming industry to diversify content. Before we dive into it, I wanted to welcome back Prem Thalamkara from my team to talk about some of his thoughts on the interview. Prem, what did you think about our conversation with Cutie Cinderella? I mean, I I definitely knew that she would be a, a great guest, and it's kind of amazing how, how, how great she was. Uh, it's really hard to be as as open about some of the things she talked about as as she was especially when it came to like really kind of going in on on tsm like they're they're one of the most widely beloved even if if they have some some drama in the last year year and change they still have an international appeal and so it was kind of it was really really eye-opening to have have her be as as open as she was about how terrible her experience was with with DSM. Yeah, you know, she mentioned that she's been a longtime League of Legends fan. She said that her tag, cute, the cutie part of Cutie Cinderella, comes from I'm a Cutie Pie, the, the legendary, goat. yeah, the legendary North American League of Legends player, the and one time and one of the NA LCA or NA rank one player when all of the other ranked players in the country had left the country. He came in, he took his spot as number one. Yeah, and, and what's really <laughs> interesting about that is that, you know, I'm a Cutie Pie was one of the early streamers, one of the f- early people to show that live streaming was this massively viable career. I mean, I remember being stunned oh, yeah. at how successful he was in like 2014 and 2015. I mean, and, Cutie and Pie paved had, the way in so many ways, right? Cutie Pie had pretty consistently like 20,000 viewers starting in probably like spring of 2013. And he would have that every single day when that was pretty much unheard of on on Twitch. Like you you had a couple people who could do it on a regular basis when they streamed, but they didn't stream as often. But for Cutie, it was every day, log in, twenty thousand plus people watching him for like six hours, either before or after he he scrims, and then he he does it again. And for him to stay like pretty hyper relevant for the next at least three at years least like three years yeah yeah because i i think i i think you could start seeing more people rising up in in 2016 2017 and and you saw more 
league players take the QD route of like, I'm done playing competitive. I'm going to just make content. Like he, he really did do that first. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear also in this interview. And I want to point this out to the listeners with Cutie Cinderella, her talk about the dynamics between other streamers, you know, a few months ago, maybe a little bit more than a month ago, you know, there was a, a public argument on stream between XQC, the most watched streamer on all of Twitch and his ex-girlfriend, who is also a content creator, but of, fractional size compared to him and cutie cinderella made a, a series of tweets sort of calling for responsibility of him recognizing his platform and the harassment that his fans gave towards his ex-girlfriend and she deleted those and, and i asked her about that you know the point that she makes about being a woman in this very male-dominated industry the harassment that comes with speaking up about that responsibility she ultimately just says it, it's not worth it and i think that it was a surprisingly poignant answer. Um, it was not where I was trying to take necessarily the discussion, more so just to ask about the dynamic of her and other streamers and critiquing one another, because I think that's really important, especially in a time where accountability is really needed in that industry. And I'm glad it's come around. I'm glad that we've seen people hold each other more accountable in the streaming industry in a way that they did not a few years ago when it first became a viable, viable profession. So it was, it was really great to hear her talk about that too. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really hard in in a in a such a public facing industry to even I think both of us have had people in our lives that, that have done like one bad thing and we just have to because of the the nature of, of this space we have to just cut them out and it's it's like a it's a pretty unfair thing all things considered because we are then even demonized for for associating with them and and so for her to yeah, be be honest about that as well was was refreshing. Yeah, I agree. I was really pleased to hear her answer talking about that, and I appreciate her honesty. Before we dive into the interview, though, if you are listening to this, we would super appreciate if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It does help other people discover the show. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And now to our interview with Judy Cinderella. Kitty, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I actually, you know, what's funny is after funny. I don't know why I think bad things are funny. I after I got COVID over the summer, my voice was so bad that I think I like damaged it. And so now whenever I, I did like a 10 hour stream yesterday, now whenever I talk for a long time, my voice is like really like raspy and airy. So that's why I was a few minutes late. So I was like, I have to have tea or I'm not going to make it through. So I hurry made some tea. But I am happy. I've got my tea in my haunted mansion mug and I'm I'm ready to party. That's great. Yeah. It's sad to hear with COVID. I also have some lingering effects. I had it in April. So it's it's yeah. uh kicks all of our ass. So yeah. It's bizarre. I've thought about like going to a throat specialist just because I'm like because I, I have my Christmas concert coming up and I, I'm a I'm a hobby singer. I'm not like a I've never wanted to be a professional singer or anything like that. But I like singing as a hobby and I was like I was like, oh, well, let me practice a Christmas song. And I practiced one and my voice was so like, I can't even hit like basic notes. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I'm broken. And I kind of went into a spiral, but I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. Favorite <laughs> Christmas song. Do you have one? Mm, I think Santa Baby. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, so just funny about me. I am um, a classically trained singer, part of the Atlanta Boy Choir who was and toured with them as well. 
um, through Alaska. Oh, cool. And they, um, yeah, I think it was, well, I'm trying to remember when that film was created. Anyway, they were a part of, you remember the choir scene in a Captain America Civil War? That's that's yeah. the choir. And I was part of that, like, probably, oh my gosh, like, how ten, cool. 10 years before they were, uh, yeah, they were in that. But so I'm, yeah, I'm a huge huge music person i play piano and guitar well, what are your your voice saving secrets what should i be doing to salvage this i mean tea's a good start i always found like ginger either actually like the actual ginger as you know like eat, oh. eating that helps too but ginger tea is also just helpful as well but like hot herbal teas generally very helpful i think repetition is the biggest thing like it it's almost it's, oh. it's like a it's almost like a muscle right if you think about it for a second like yeah. the more you do it the like further it's it the further you can do it and that like basically yeah like you break a muscle when you're and that's why you're sore and then it you're less sore when you try to go back and lift the same weights it's it's very similar to vocals so as long as you're like doing the proper care uh, so also well hopefully i i hired a vocal coach and so she's giving me that stuff but i don't know we'll see we'll see if i spiral enough to go to a throat specialist yeah uh ent's are great though actually i i had I yeah. had no surgery done this year at one too, so I would recommend seeing one. Mm. Um, anywho, there's a por- portion. <laughs> anyway, there's a portion of people that listen to this podcast that maybe aren't necessarily familiar with the people present here in Twitter Spaces, who I think mostly are just you know and super into gaming and familiar with with you. But for those not, can you sort of walk us through like what the origin story of your career as a content creator is and how you got into this and and because I think your perspective is different in the type of content that you create. And I think we're going to we're going to talk about that. So I'd love to hear how that started. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I was a big League of Legends fan from like, gosh, I've been playing since I think I'm on like like I've been playing for like eight seasons at this point. I'm still in silver, which is super okay. messed up. But, you know, so I was a big League of Legends fan. I um would watch League like every whenever I had the opportunity, people at work would like make fun of me and stuff like that. And then I had recently lost my mom and was just kind of like super lonely, wasn't sure what to do. Like I was working my my normal job, which was I was an interior designer at the time, but I'd get home from work and I'd play League of Legends and it made me really, really happy. And then I'm the type of person that I need my candle burning on all ends. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to waste my time playing video games, I might as well stream it so I can at least feel productive. Right. So then I just started, I was like, if Sneaky can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so then I just started streaming League of Legends and I do it. So like I was pretty much streaming a full-time job. That's how much League I was playing. The cutie from my name comes from, I'm a cutie pie. I'm a big League fan. I love it. I also ripped all of his jokes in the beginning. Like joining, like subbing to me was joining the big dick club. Like, <laughs> you know, we, uh, he was great. He, he was the pinnacle to me back in the day and so then i had a i had a mod say to me have you ever heard of have you ever heard of the raj show right may raj rest in peace but i was like no i haven't he's like i think you'd be really funny on it just because i'm pretty loud and i like jokes i think like my backup to streaming someday is i want to do stand-up comedy and so then he was like oh go on it and so like, oh, it seems like fun i went on that and then just kind of ran with it. I was a theater kid all throughout my life, never had the lead. But this was kind of a moment where I played a role on that show that no one else cared to. No one else realized like, oh, I can use this platform to like be a character, to be something that no one else is seeing. So I'd go on there and I'd be the mean girl 
or the like the CRC Lannister, a lot of people would say, because this is when like Game of yeah. Thrones is like at its peak. And I just go on there and uh, just make a ton of jokes and blah, blah, blah. And really, people love to hate me. They loved to hate me. And that's still something I deal with, I think. It's this weird thing where I was like, oh, that wasn't me, though. That was like, it's like hating the actress who played Cersei Lannister. It's the same thing. But then from there, I just met more people, kind of got inspired to adventure into just chatting. I remember my first just chatting stream. I was like, I was, you know, a bit of a pick me girl before then. I was like, I can't believe I'm a full cam girl, like, you know, compared to a gamer girl, like whatever. But it was it was really scary at the time because I'm a pretty insecure person. And so to have your camera so big compared to that little square at the bottom of the League of Legends map, it was just different. But I went from there, made a few friends in the industry and just kind of did my own thing. Uh, I met Ludwig eventually, was very inspired by him. Ms. Kiff was a big inspiration in my early career. And then I met Nick and Milena in, this, in the past two years. And Milena threw ShitCon. And she was my big inspiration of like, that's the type of content I want to create. I want to bring people together because I constantly see everyone doing cool things. And maybe I don't necessarily get the invite. I kind of feel like a, a misfit mm -hmm. at times. And so, so I was like, well, if I make the things then I'll always get the invite, right? Like I'll always be a part of it. I'll be a part of cool things. And maybe I'll help some other people that feel like they never get the invite to get the invite. And then even just represent that to a Twitch culture as a whole, because I feel as though Twitch chatters pretty lonely at times. That's why I joined. That's why I joined Twitch was I was so lonely. It was almost like the reverse parasocial. I wanted people to talk to compared to going into chats and hoping someone will talk back to me. I, I just wanted... I just wanted to talk into the void, I guess. But I think the events that I do and hopefully what I represent now is just more of a broad community viewpoint. Um, I want people to see me as the person that brings people together because that's what makes me happy as a person. And so I'm focusing on that as much as I can with my content, as much as is humanly possible with the size that I am. I'm not I'm not Pokimane. I'm not Ludwig. I can't like really have a, a massive team. So there's just two of us right now or two. I have two assistants and myself. So three of us. Very exciting. And we're the ones that kind of work on all my events. But we do our best with what we have. So that's what that's what we're focused on the most, I suppose. And that is the longest brief of my career I could ever give you. But that's it. In terms of those events, I mean, I think it's part of what's made your content so unique. And it's something that we, in many ways, like see people following in your footsteps in the creator industry more broadly, right? Is is organizing kind of other things that are not related to gaming. I feel like a lot of creators we've had on this show start in gaming and then kind of find their way to something else similar, yeah. similar to you. But we've seen other creators too sort of dabble in the event business and event organizing business. I mean, Ludwig was on the show pretty early on in August and and was sort of teasing without saying it explicitly off brand, which he's now doing that in. And and we talked yeah. about some of the event work that you had done, the Beyblade tournament in particular, because that had been more recent at the time. And, you know, now for kind of those unfamiliar again for that audience, like you know, you've organized Shit Camp, you've organized the Beyblade Tournament, you've organized the Streamer Awards, which was a really a sight to see earlier this year. How much of that organizing these events that are more than just you, what we're doing here, you sitting in front of a camera and talking, or you sitting in front of a camera and playing video games, or you in your kitchen baking, 
how much of organizing those big events was out of necessity versus passion? Like how did, were you thinking about diversifying your content when you started doing those originally? No, no not at all. That's a, uh, is a hundred percent passion. Um, as strange as it is, I, I kept seeing all, all the other award shows, right? I think the game awards being the exception, but all the other award shows being a little out of touch. Yeah, I mean, there's there's and, one behind my head, so I I understand. It, like, I know I know I will critique them all I want. I sorry. agree. No, 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 no. I agree though. Like the the esports awards, etc., can actually be very out of touch when it comes to creators. I I agree yeah. with you. And it's it's it was the community that I kept seeing complain about it. Oh, this is this is blah blah blah. This is blah blah blah. They don't know what they're doing. Blah 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 blah. And then I was like, you know what? I could do it. Like I can just do it. So the reason I created the Streamer Wars is because I wanted to make people happy. And that's what I'm so passionate about. That's what all my passion is in the entire world. So I would say one of the one of the hardest things about being a person on the internet is you'll never fully be understood. No one cares to understand. They can kind of write you off for a comment you made or whatever. But the root of everything I've always done is to make other people happy. That's all I want to do. And my therapist would say that's not so good. I should focus on myself. But for now, <laughs> that's all I want to do. So that's what created this the streamer awards. That's what that's why I did shit camp is I saw a shit con with Milena and man, the viewers, the community, they loved it. It's like it's like the Avengers when you see Spider-Man in the same shot as Iron Man. It's so cool, right? Yeah. And so I asked Milena, I said, Hey, can I do the sister event in in LA? And she's like, Yeah, please, like it'll be great, blah, blah, blah. And she, you know she really inspired me with that. And that was the catalyst that made me realize like, oh, I can, I can just do this. I can, I can do it. But the, the forefront of that was just making the community happy, which is funny because I don't know how closely you follow the stream rewards, but the backlash after the stream rewards of people being so mean on particularly LSF led to me taking a break from the internet, which is so funny because they were the audience that I genuinely just wanted to make happy. I mean, I feel like part of it, I've been a, reporter for eight years now and have had this like very interesting career arc myself i was very hated by the league of legends community in its first couple of years of my career and then like beloved in the in three years after it and it you know at some point i just feel like you can't make anyone happy but you can be the best attention you can do whatever you want to like try to cater to this audience there's always going to be somebody that's unhappy right like uh, yeah and i guess do you feel like the pressure it's just hard do you feel the pressure of that too yeah Oh, it eats me alive. Uh, I've said from the beginning, you can find clips of me where I've said, guys, I can't go full time. I'll never, I'll never make it like mentally. I know like my um, mental fortitude and I could make like my clients at my old job, I can make them so happy, right? They can be happy. They can be done with the job. This, I will never be understood. I will never make everyone happy. Not everyone will like you. And it eats me up. It eats me up. It's kept me up at nights. It's made it's driven me crazy. But uh, you just have to learn to accept it. I, I guess that's that's the next part I wanted to ask about was how you accept it, because it's not like everyone's unhappy, right? Like you do have a very strong contingency yeah. of people that appreciate the work that you're doing, not only just your fellow peers and creators and, you know, sort of diversifying the content that they participate in, but also the actual audience who likes these things, too. And I guess like what are what have you found to be effective means of sort of, I guess, segmenting those things and trying to focus on the positive as much as you can? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I I wouldn't be able to do it without without therapy. Uh, I am in therapy twice a week, uh, which is the most that I've ever had to. But 
It's really just trying to focus on what's real. The real relationships, the real people I need to make happy are like number one myself and my friends. And that's what I try to focus on. There are times that I lose that. And, you know, I'm reading, I was, re- I literally read a stupid LSF comment today about me being nominated for the Game Awards. And they're like, she only did one thing this year. And I'm like, you don't even watch me if you think I only did one thing. What the heck? You know, but it yeah. makes me feel bad because it's like, uh, I just wish they understood me. I wish they knew. But I, I try my darndest not to spiral. I have stopped uh, wholeheartedly. I don't read YouTube comments. I don't read Instagram comments. I, the only things I read is my Twitch chat. I really try to stay out of it as much as possible. Sometimes I slip like today. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do, I just have to remember how horrible it makes me feel. Because even though there are positive ones, psychologically, as a human, you are wired to want to fix things. If you see a leaky pipe, you're probably not just going to walk past it. You're probably going to grab a bucket or something, at least something, right? So as a human, when you hear these negative comments, even subconsciously, you think to yourself, oh, shoot, you know, maybe maybe I should get a nose job. Maybe maybe I'm not funny. Maybe this, you know, even though there's a thousand other people that say you're perfect the way you are, that stuff doesn't cause a misfire in your brain. The negative comments do. And so it's just it's just hard to remember not to dwell on those. You mentioned the Game Awards. You were nominated today among what is an extremely mm-hmm. competitive field. So congratulations, first of all, for the nomination. Thank you. Um, you know, the other nominees for this award are Carl Jacobs, who maybe, again, for those unfamiliar, is a multifaceted content creator, a part of the Mr. Beast group of people, and also it was a part of Dream S&P, et cetera. Does a lot of quality content. Uh, Ludwig as well, your your boyfriend, uh, is a as a nominee mm-hmm. who's was Twitch's top streamer pre pre or one of Twitch's top streamers pre uh, YouTube deal at the end of last year. And Nabilian, who's had a like incredible sort of, I, story sad, but he like basically quit his Twitter and logged off like two weeks yeah. ago and gotten a lot of uh, sort of community support. So I wasn't surprised to see him on this list. And then Nobru as well. And you know, you being on that list, I think, is something that. Eyeball testing is someone who covers the creator industry knows the creator industry is not surprising whatsoever. I, I think this has been everyone I talk to that knows creator space. Like it very much acknowledges it's been a very banner year for your career. I guess like when you think about the the success that you've had this year, how much of that was driven to be that way to create that quality of content? And how much of that, again, is just that passion to to do these things? Were you like, have you thought about the success that you want to have for yourself more broadly? The interesting thing is I hear that. I hear, oh, you've had a successful year. I don't feel that. Mm. I don't think, I don't think I, I have, I don't think I deserve that nomination. I think I have done a lot of cool things. I'll acknowledge that. I've done a lot of things that other people haven't done, but I guess the issue with streaming in particular is how do you define success overall? Like in life, success of hap- is happiness, right? That's we can all agree. If you are successful at life, you are happy. Great. But in streaming, it's like in my world, I get really, really down on myself when I think, okay, I got 380,000 people to watch the streamer awards. That's crazy. But I only averaged 3K. So how did I fumble that? How did, how am I so uninteresting? that only 3,000 people want to watch me. 
And then Beyblade, mm. I got 30K viewers. The next day I'm at 3K. I'm like, dang, I am bad at this, right? Like, you can't, I don't think you can call me creator of the year when I can only be successful when I have other people. I, I am not successful on my own. I think maybe if I started like my own org or something like that, I could win an award because I'm very much so community-based success. And so without that community, I don't think I'm successful. I realize that I'm the I'm the glue that puts this these people together and gives them this platform to do this really cool thing, like go to camp or like the Christmas concert coming up. And that's what makes me happy is doing that. But I don't, I'm not Pokemon yet. I want to be. I would be amazing. I would love to go live and be able to play League of Legends to 20K people. I would love to have that many people excited just about my my desktop streams, but I don't. And so currently, sadly, my definition of success is having that large of a community ready to just adore you. Mm -hmm. They don't adore me. They adore my events, which is so sweet. But maybe my events could win an event of the year or something like that, which Streamer Awards has that category. So nobody steal that. Throwing that out there since some of the other award shows have stolen my categories, but whatever. <laughs> but I don't I don't believe I deserve creator of the year. I'd be interesting to hear someone like Nate Child speak about that as someone who's been independently successful, but has had to sacrifice part of his independent success, individual success to work on an organization. I like I think that's Yeah. It is hard, right, when you're the facilitator and you are not like necessarily, I mean, you are a successful creator in regardless, right? Like, the, yeah, the, the, the like that's yeah. the thing is I'm complaining about being in the point zero zero one percent, but I want to be in the point zero 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 one percent. And that's when I'll feel successful. Right. Right. But also content creation is chasing that pot at the end of the rainbow consistently yes and i i but i do think like again some perspective i, th I think you should be proud of the work <laughs> that you've done uh, even even if it's just the cooking stream or whatever if it's something very casual it, it's still i mean i tuned in the other day when we were like working to book you on the show like it, it's you had like five or six thousand people in there like it's yeah the, people do show up people are in, are interested so and again yeah you are in that top class of twitch twitch streamers so there's so many people that aren't aren't there so useful perspective but I do want to ask, well, what, what do you think, like, what do you think is stopping you from hitting that next next goal? Like, what do you think is the wall between you and your aspirations? Energy. If I'm being honest, I think I can't, I can't be on 24-7. Like, I, I don't know. Ludwig has this way of pushing live and being lit up. Those are the best streamers. Sweet Tales, I don't know if you know her. I've been friends with her for years and only recently has she kind of caught her wind. But from day one, she is someone that she deserves 30K views. She is turns on and just tons of energy, tons of this, tons of... I am like, my desktop streams, they're just... I'm just hanging out. Mm. So if I... I know wholeheartedly that if I could be more energetic and more electric in that way a more charismatic i i could definitely do much better and also i put a lot of my energy into like right now if i'm not streaming i'm probably working on streamer awards because it's in march or the christmas concert that's in december and then i have a baking and i have a seven day baking competition in january so when i'm not doing that 
like when I'm not streaming, I'm doing that. So by the time I stream, I'm almost using it like I used to, where I've mm. gotten home from work and I just want to hang out. And that's good for my mental, but it's bad for overall success. Yeah, I, I, I actually personally find that balance. I've been being pushed to stream more and more myself and I just can't like it again because it feels like work. It's just hard. Like, yeah, it's it's because I have a billion other things to do as a producer. <laughs> like it it is really tough. So I like I do hear you on that on a personal level. It's it's a. It, it's a job that is that to me is still like we're still in the very early stages of understanding what it does to people mm -hmm. mentally, like and and sort of where how it affects them and the energy that it takes. You know, even even the best creators, I think, like, it's not necessarily who they are all the time. Like, maybe there's a part of them, right? But the best creators, people yeah, like XQC, et cetera, like the most successful creators are people who, like, they just amplify something of them. Like, I've been around XQC in person. He's not like that, like, most of the time. But he's, yeah. it, but it's a part of him that is there, and he just turns the knob and dial and cranks it to whatever, right, to, to be an entertaining streamer. Yeah. When I think there was a point in my career where I could do that, and it was before the event, mm. I was really good at having a planned this, like, we're doing blah, blah, blah this day, and I could go live and do the YouTube intro, and da, 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 da. and my content was great, and I was, I was growing, but I'm just, the events make me happier, and so if my, my stream has to suffer because of it, I guess it does, but it's just, it's just that hard thing to try not to get down on yourself over. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did make some news recently because you did join Misfits, who, you know, the Misfits has been in esports, I think, since 2017, but has pivoted more and more recently over the past couple of years, more into creators. You know, recently launched a $20 million creator fund to help creators fund their events or companies, whatever they're doing. Before that, though, you were a part of TSM, who are, are were one of the biggest League of Legends teams of all time, mm -hmm. certainly in North America. I mean... I went to Worlds two weeks ago and people were chanting TSM in the crowd, even though TSM I know there. it actually kind of broke my heart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I I want to ask in thinking through that decision, why did you why did you decide to leave? It was heartbreaking. Like when I say heartbreaking, I I know that sounds like, oh, you left an org. But no, TSM was my dream. My dream. Like when I said I was a league girly before I ever streamed, those are the games I would fly out to California to go to. Mm. Uh, that is the merch I would buy. That was my keychain. It was a sticker on the back of my car. Um, I loved TSM with my whole heart. Never did I dream of signing with them. Like it was, I remember like, it was just so surreal. I didn't believe it until it got announced. And then I was like, this is crazy. I, I can't believe it. But I had to make the choice to switch from not just a brand I love, to instead a brand that loves me, that will believe in me. Because a lot of people, maybe they don't understand the point of being a content creator in an organization is a support system. You want a team. That's why you join. So I joined TSM right after I joined within the week, like Myth left and Doublelift left and Bjergsen left and all of these people that like I was excited to have content with and do stuff with and get to know, you know, they were pretty public about, hey, I'm leaving because they're not treating me nice. Hmm. I don't want to be a part of an org that isn't treating people well. Like what's going on, you know? And then a few months later, my announcement video comes out and, and it's fine, but then it's just like consistently negative things about TSM and it doesn't sit right with me. 
and I'm asking for support. I I came up with a bunch of YouTube content ideas right after I joined. I said, hey, have the Valorant boys come. We're going to do a cookie decorating competition at the TSM kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cared. Okay. Christmas time. Let's do a white elephant with all with the whole team. It's going to be so much fun. Like, let's get everyone and it's going to be fun. Nobody cares. Okay. Hey, guys, I'm doing the streamer awards. I don't know if TSM wants to help in any way, but, but I would love to have you. Like, I'd love this to be like a joint thing if you want. Nobody cares. So uh, you give up. There's no point in being a part of this organization. Sure, you get a paycheck. Um, sure, I get the brand on me that I've dreamed of, but I don't have a team. I don't have a support system. It wasn't only until um, they hired Dominic. I don't know if you know who that mm-hmm. is. He was with Gen G and now he's with TSM. He's a phenomenal guy. And and uh, he just, when he joined, I even said to him, I said, I think it's too little too late. And he was he was like, no, let us help you. So there was a time that I was doing a, a cake decorating stream and I needed a kitchen and he was like, come use the TSM kitchen. And he dropped everything he was doing to make sure we could be there amazing like even just me and i told him i was like i feel when i when i talked to him i said i feel more comfortable going to 100 thieves what's it called studio yeah compound or like warehouse i guess yeah, yeah. Compound is i feel everybody. i feel more comfortable going to the 100 thieves compound than i do coming to the tsm compound and that's not okay like it it's sad because i want this to be my family i want this to be my team and he's like oh we'll work on it you know and he he was so great he really did try his very best but and i was gonna resign with them we had multiple meetings. I actually, we had this whole idea where we were going to sign five people, kind of like an Avengers team to TSM. And within TSM, that was going to be our, our content group. And we were so excited. We had all the people like contracts are getting drafted up. I had made a whole plan for the entire year of TSM and our content groups ideas for each month of stuff we were going to do together for YouTube or for stream, whatever insane that gets up to the tippity top right before we're about to sign contracts and it gets shut down Hmm. as that's happening i'm getting a message from misfits which tsm wasn't the only org i had a lot of orgs talking to me at that time but i had said no because i really believed that this that i was finally going to get my dream come true with tsm right but then ben messaged me from misfits and i i told him no at first i was like i have made up my mind they're like, no, 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 I cannot. Like, I've already told so many people, no, I can't even entertain another idea. But the persistence and the genuineness behind the people that work at the company, something felt just, I can't describe it besides it just felt right. It felt genuine. It felt real. It didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to come up with these ideas and then they're going to get shut down. And so far it hasn't been. The second that I, I've needed something, people they want to help, people want to help. And that's exciting. But that was... That was the turning point with TSM to decide to leave and then to join Misfits was just the character and the passion behind it. They really want to make cool stuff. And I was going to say, I think part of the reason it makes so much sense in sort of their business pivot, pivoting into creators more from just sort of traditional esports. You know, we saw this year that they sold off the majority of their LEC slot and are now they're still a minority owner, but are going to let Team Heretics functionally run that entire thing starting next year part of why it makes sense when you're signing all of these creators and then signing someone like you is that you you just said this earlier like you are the glue that that puts everything together you create these events that are intriguing that are different they're not just plain streams or just chatting etc and so when you have a stable of people to do that like they do and that they're building yeah i mean it makes exact fluid sense why you would want someone with your area of expertise right like because not only are you 
a creator yourself, but you're also doing these events that are different. They are unique to the space and you can do that for them. And and I'm assuming that's part of what you've talked about with them, right? Is, is yeah. creating Also, things. I mean, something fascinating is Ben is the one messaging me. Ben is the one that wants me, the CEO of the company. Yep. And Reggie's the one shutting my ideas down. Yeah. And and there's a dramatic difference. And to clarify for the people that may not be familiar with some of what's happening over TSM, TSM was recently over, started in, at the end of 2021, was investigated by Riot Games for reports of uh, internal sort of what some people, some employees called abusive behavior towards some of their employees. They went through a riot investigation. Riot's statement, more or less paraphrasing here, was that TSM had not done anything illegal but the sort of line between legal and ethical or not or and moral are not always the same. So, yeah. And yeah, Reggie has certainly been less, less involved publicly for a reason. I would say as someone who covers yeah. TSM. I mean, the sad thing is, is I was with TSM for a year. I didn't meet him once. He didn't, he didn't care to message me. He didn't care to call me. He didn't, you know, that's the difference. That's the difference with misfits and TSM is just the care behind the people. And I don't know. So I'm excited. I, I'm excited. I'm very optimistic. And we'll see what we can pull off. And if if anything, if anything, and this is just, you know, your, your girl that just came out of a place that nobody helped at all, at least no matter what, Misfits is providing funding to do the stuff that I can't do. I said before, I'm, I'm not Pokemon. I'm not Ludwig. I, I, I don't have the credibility to say, you know, I'm going to be able to go live no matter what I'm going to get 20K viewers. It's still a gamble for me. I don't know. I can't guarantee sponsors what I'm going to get. I, I, I don't know. I have um, I had a data engineer come up with an algorithm that's pretty spot on for my events, but it's still a guess. And so that's really hard to sell to sponsors unless we have proof of concept done. And in order for proof of concept, you have to throw the freaking thing. And if you can't afford that, that's really scary. But it's a big bet on yourself. And now with misfits with their creator fund i am able to without hesitation just do that like i've wanted to do my baking challenge forever and i was talking with my assistant today and i was like yeah we're gonna have to rent out a kitchen for seven days and i need seven ovens like lunch we were like oh that's gonna be so expensive and i'm like we have misfits so we can just do it i can just do it i can do it without being panicked of course i want to try to find sponsors i want to try to make it profitable but i can now just do these things without being terrified i can just make cool shit. <laughs> yeah but i can hear the excitement in your voice and i'm genuinely excited. yeah it's very exciting like the the streamer awards was literally on credit cards i was so betting on myself it was terrifying but it worked out i i broke even with the streamer awards so that was and that's all i cared about a lot of people think that like i do these events to make tons of money Maybe someday, sure. I would love to sell the streamer awards for $2 million every year in ads. That'd be great, you guys. <laughs> but I don't. I do them as a passion project right now. I usually lose money up until I think shit camp is the only one that I'm at a little bit, which is exciting. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I wrote a long post today on LinkedIn about sort of how advertisers don't understand the creator space and they're like constantly complaining mm -hmm. it because. You know, you look at the economics of like an esports team and they make zero sense in the sense that like they're buying kind yeah. of all this brand placement and they like get almost no conversion. There was like this very like I've referenced it a couple times in the show since it came out. But Devin Nash was quoted in a Dixardo article talking about a PC computer sponsor and was like, 
they had like 80 conversions when they sponsored an esports team they sponsored a creator for the same amount of time and had like 1400 and it's just like yeah that doesn't surprise me at all like there's a little bit of no the work that you all do even the event work that is like more personal right like it feels yeah there's a reason that like there's a reason like streamer awards there's a reason uh, i guess any of my events there's a reason i do the ad reads yeah or a creator does the ad read is because then it's unique like even this year's streamer awards only because honestly i fumbled the bag last year and i forgot some of my ad reads this year's streamer awards i'm gonna have a different streamer that we kick to to read the ads because it's like i'm not i don't care to have a commercial pop up with all of our ads we're streamers this is what we do this is what people are used to but yeah i also a big thing that people ask all the time is how does misfits benefit from this i think that's a really confusing to people but helping creators is some of the best company marketing you could ever come up with right right like think of everything i've just said about tsm no one's surprised by it but imagine imagine if i was able to say i just spent the last year with them they supported all my dreams. Streamer awards wouldn't have happened. Beyblade wouldn't have happened. Anything I've done wouldn't have happened without them. They're my support system. I love them. Huge. What brand doesn't want to work with a team like that? That's just going to get more creators. It's going to create more cool stuff. That's going to get brand power behind it. Like, yeah. it's just, I believe Misfits is in the right mindset of how orgs should be functioning. Well, and it's about, to your point earlier too about like selling sponsors against just you it's about when you're able to sell like sort of an entire bundle rather than it being yeah. like a one-off thing you know i i'm not doing it this year but previously in the past three years i ran a free agency show for league of legends and last year it had three hundred thousand viewers and it was one of those things where it was like commercially it's like really t- difficult because it's the one thing once a year right like it's and tacking on yeah. just that is really hard where versus like what i would imagine the misfits sales pushes here it's like Oh, we can, you know, do this against clicks. We can do this against Cutie. We can, you know, and Cutie's events, et cetera. Like you can build a whole bundle, a holistic bundle, pay us X number of dollars and things trickle out this way. And they can divide them, but provide sort of year round coverage on everything. Right. It's it's less yeah. about just selling against Cutie Cinderella, the individual person and the events. Well, there's a reason because I even I mean, one of the biggest things I thought about, too, before joining Misfits is everyone said to me, why don't you make your own? And I, I sat there and I, I did. I thought about it. I thought about making my own, you know, OTK. I could do it. I, I very much so could. But again, there was something about this team. There's something about the people that I met within the organization that there's just passion, there's belief, there's support. And I'm like, I can make an org whenever I want. But for now, I want to I want to be a part of this team and this team wants me. So I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. A few months ago, we had Brandon Freytag from the agency Loaded who represent you on this pod. And you you sent a tweet off of me because we mistakenly said that you were a millionaire. And I, I, laughed, oh, at, yeah. I laughed at it. But I'm actually genuinely <laughs> surprised that you're not. Just only for the fact that <laughs> only for the fact that there are people that do the kind of work you do with much smaller numbers that are. Especially when I think about some of the when I think about whine about it and some of the other things that you do on audio right uh, audio is a space i'm super familiar with the ad opportunity there is massive way bigger than anything else live it's bigger than streaming it's bigger than youtube etc i think from a commercialization standpoint when you think about your content other than what you were talking about earlier that you know the events are the big things that you can guarantee viewership against versus the individual things that you're doing what is that next step for you commercially do you think because uh, i mean Hell, I, I'm again, I'm stunned that you're not a millionaire. 
frankly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully someday. I think eventually the goal is to, like I said, make money off of these events. That'd be awesome. But I, I, I do, I do want to, I have to, I don't know if you know, but Wine About It is dead. Can I, I ask so about I, that? I, I, yeah. Yeah. I do genuinely love podcasting. So I do want to start a new podcast someday. I don't know who it'll be with. You know, Hassan and Will have talked to me about joining theirs. So maybe I'll have two podcasts at some point. I don't know. But I don't know. So I do want to get more into audio. Starting in January, this is a bit of a leak skis. Starting in January, I'm starting a new content piece on Twitch slash YouTube. Uh, I'm starting a late, late show, a late night show. That's fun. Which is going to be tons of fun, I think. So I'm just excited. I'm just excited to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully that will attract the money. I think money has always been not really a motivator to me, but it's always come along with what I've done. So I've always been very successful at whatever field I'm in, typically like monetarily, I've been very successful because I'm passionate about it. And so the money follows. And so I believe that will happen now. Also, I don't need to be a millionaire, you know? Like I'm so happy with my current lifestyle. I don't I don't have to be a millionaire. So I'll just keep doing what I love as long as I can afford a roof over my head and food in my mouth and things for my family, then I'm okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's extremely refreshing to hear because a lot of the I feel like we've seen a shift, thankfully for the better, of a lot of creators feel like they have to milk and and like milk every sponsorship opportunity, good or bad, and the, you know, to sort of self-enrich as much as humanly possible in the shortest amount of time that they have their 15 minutes of mm -hmm. fame. It's nice to hear that yeah. that is not a motivating factor for you. Because No, yeah. eventually no one will watch me. Eventually I won't get any sponsors. Eventually I won't have a paycheck from being Cutie Cinderella. But I'll probably move on to something else that makes me really happy. So that's okay. As long as I have a roof over my head and food in my stomach, that's all that I need. I don't care to, you know, make a million dollars now so I can retire next year. Working makes me happy. It gives me purpose. So I think like my my dad is in his 60s. He he runs a landscaping company and homeboy is not going to retire anytime soon. It's what gives him purpose. We are, we are the same, him and I. So yeah, I plan on just doing whatever whatever my passion follows, I suppose. Yeah, that's again, that's extremely refreshing to hear. I, I feel similarly. I don't think I'm ever going to not work a day in my life. So I feel like yeah. It's weird. It's probably bad, but <laughs> uh, it, it gives you a reason to get up every day, right? Like that's that's yeah. what it is at the end of the day. I want to ask one thing. I'm not trying to cause drama here more broadly, but I do want. Oh, here he no, goes. No, 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 no. It's OK. Um, <laughs> I. You know, you. The, the interesting thing I find about creators, especially in the type of work you do, event work, et cetera, and you're not alone in doing this, doing that kind of work more broadly, is you have to maintain relationships even with people that you disagree with. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that be sort of a little bit of a difficult juggle. I mean, I remember the day that the XUC breakup happened live on stream um, in the screaming match. You tweeted and then deleted a couple different tweets about his behavior, which I agreed with your tweets about sort of the... Okay. the the harassment of his actual friend and and being more conscious of his platform. I have no issue with X, but I, I agree with the sentiment. You know, I think that it's it's hard giving commentary. I watch Lud's 
Bogomail, where he has to do this more broadly. Hassan has to do this a lot, too, in the type of work he does. Devin Nash has to do this as well. Giving commentary on your peers, who you still have to have a business relationship with, whether it be for Shitcam, whether it be for Shimmer Awards, for any of the things that you do that obviously you would like them to participate in. How do you find that balance of being able to be critical while still maintaining a professional and respectful working relationship with some of these people? You know what's funny is I I grew up Mormon, and something about being Mormon is you hold each other accountable, like kind of in a weird, gross way that I don't think normal humans do. But like, you know, if someone showed up late to church, you just say, hey, you showed up late to church. Like, what's what's going on? And you kind of like talk about it. And since I was raised that way, I haven't had too hard of a time navigating these issues. Like as soon as I tweeted that out, you know, the thing I was thinking of first was uh, my friend, first and foremost. Also, women on the platform, the way that, you know, we have a, a, a bit of a glass ceiling and it's hard to think like in that situation alone, if 10% of his audience went to harass her, about 10,000 people, if 10% of her audience went to har harass him, that's about 100 people, you know? So like, let's be responsible with those numbers because that's terrifying. And so everyone's human, everyone's emotional and in the moment, I'm so frustrated. And so I just send it out. And then X gets upset by it. And so the first thing I do, I message him and I say, do you want me to delete? Do you want this? You know, and he's yes, we come we come to an agreement. We talk it out. So yes, at first, I usually react emotionally nine times out of 10 because I'm a human, but I'm getting better at this. Admittedly, uh, I'm getting so much better since that situation alone because of my consistent therapy I attribute it to. But that was that was a big one that I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, and then and then my therapist literally had to say to me, they're like, if this was your friends, like your friends that you, you know, you are at a barbecue in a backyard to and they're having a loud breakup and they're arguing with each other. Are you tweeting about it? And I was like, no, that's your problem. You're chronically online. No one like, yes, you can have opinions on these things. You can hold people accountable publicly. But should you when it's not? life or death, right? Mm. Obviously, if there's a predator of some kind or someone is sexist, I'm going to stand against them vocally and use my platform wisely there. But I have had to learn that some things are just better in the DMs. And that that's even something like, there's been a lot of things that I disagree with that I've had to deal with. I've dealt with privately that people don't know people because people will come into my chat and they're like, why didn't you say anything about this? Like, why didn't you say anything about this? Why didn't you say anything about this? And I was like, Probably because I didn't react emotionally and instead actually talked to the person and I'm keeping that private because that's what's appropriate. So I have learned overall just to shut my goddamn mouth. I'm just shutting it and handling it. Like I'm going back to my old Mormon self and I'm just keeping them accountable and I'm telling them how I feel instead of blasting it out into the into the pixels. I mean, you're speaking to a journalist. I don't know if I fundamentally agree with with that. Just because <laughs> I, I, you can't. No, yeah. no. I mean, I like to. I, you know, sort of now I'm creating content on YouTube, etc. Like this show, and it's to me, it's about calling balls and strikes. I can simultaneously respect someone that comes on this show and com completely fundamentally disagree with them. Right? Like yeah. I am a noted critic of XQC, and he had agreed to come on the show and had to cancel because of a double booking from his manager. I still want him on the show. He's still going to be invited to yeah. this show. Even if we disagree on a lot of the things that he does, it's like I can both respect him at the same time and be a critic and call the balls and strikes as I see them. Yeah. Right. Like 
and it I don't I, I, I don't know if there's enough of that in the streaming community to be fair, which is why I appreciate when you, yeah, when you there have isn't. Said, said things. There isn't, but the issue with that and uh, unfortunately I'm going to play this card which a lot of people get mad about whenever I say this. I'm a woman. I'm a lady, and when I am vocal, I get much more hate than males in this industry. I get called much harsher names. I get told to stop putting my nose I call, I'm a drama queen. I'm a bitch. I'm a cunt. I'm a blah, blah, blah. When a guy does it, it's entertaining, right? When Miss Kiff is on the phone with Slicker, everyone thinks this is, this is the cup of tea. If I were to do that, I'm inserting myself. Mm. So unfortunately, as much as I will, I will continue to vocalize where appropriate. Like I said, when it comes to sexism on the internet, when it comes to predators, things like that. But I am no longer going to participate in public discourse in that way because it has just led to too much hate that talking to peers. There's a reason Pokey doesn't comment on stuff like that. There's a reason that, you know, so many other female streamers are just quiet. It's not worth it. It's not worth it's not worth saying, man, that guy's being a jerk just to be then dragged. Right. Like something as simple as that guy's being a jerk you become the monster for saying that. And so I, I, it's more important to keep my opinions to myself and everything's temporary too. I, I genuinely believe that. I think everyone's human. I believe people can change. So maybe someone is a jerk today. In a few months, they probably won't be. So let's just be quiet until then. Or if they are that big of a jerk, if they did personally offend me, then let me talk to them personally. Yeah, that's fair. And that is a dynamic that I'm glad that you spoke about here now because it is different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it's important to point it out. So thank you for doing so. I think the other part, too, is is that I, I hope that the streaming industry gets more accountable. I'm hopeful about it, to, to be frank, because I think mm-hmm. that there was a world and it's sort of as our industry pivoted away from esports more to creators, that there were a lot of creators doing some really awful and horrible things and no one said mm-hmm. anything makes me at least a yeah. little bit more hopeful that people like Hassan and Ludwig yeah. and yourself exist and do say something when when there's a moment to call it and call the ball the balls and strikes as they are. So I don't think it's I think it's gotten better from that perspective. I hope that yes, there will be it definitely has. I, th- I hope there will be more people because that accountability is much needed. And again, there's a difference between critiquing the act someone does and the act and you know, the person themselves, right? Like and and I think that's also the yeah. other thing. It's like you can respect someone but disagree with what they did. I think that's something that really frustrates me in the space is when people do hold something against somebody when they're otherwise a good character. Like if they are a good character in everything through and through and they make one mistake, you're human. Yeah. Forgive them. You know, like viewers, people that participate in this content, forgive them. If they're a bad character and they are just, you know, they're doing this repetitively, they're constantly being a bad person, sure, virtue signal then, dig the hole that you want to put them in, whatever, but let's have some humanity in this industry and realize, like, depending on the level of the mistake, like, let's forgive. You can forgive celebrities, and the thing about that is celebrities are trained. Celebrities have probably made these mistakes, like, but they are PR trained. They know not to speak on it. They have also probably signed NDAs so people legally can't talk about it. People not even outside of celebrities, people have made mistakes, you know? And so, but us streamers were put on this platform without any tools 
None of us have representation that give us PR training. None of us have, you know, someone behind us with NDAs for anyone that comes to a house party. Who knows? It's yeah. terrifying. But I, I, I use house party as a reference. I had a house party at TwitchCon and somebody fell through the roof. <laughs> and so I always think about that <laughs> every time. But anyway, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wish people could see some humanity when it comes to just the littlest mistakes. I've been, I've been canceled for the craziest things that it's just like, number one, I just had a human moment, right? Like, let's just, otherwise I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a good person. I really am. So let's forgive and move on instead of, there's people that still talk about random stuff that I said even three years ago. And it's like, geez, yeah. then just don't support me. And that's fine. If you genuinely don't think that I'm a good person, that's fine. Well, it's it's also the the learning in public, which is unique to micro celebrities. I guess is the appropriate yeah. word, right? Like, oh, it is. Yeah, you you have to learn. You have to learn in uh, while being burned doing so. Well, you can't learn in a yeah. Closed mind. And everybody judges the way you learn. Everyone judges the way that you can make a genuine apology, and that can be picked apart word by word. Your punctuation. Oh no, she meant this. She was an exclamation point. What? I've never had what. I'm just sorry. You know, like it's, it's, uh, it's a, one of the most terrifying things of this industry to see happen. Yeah, for sure. When it's an otherwise good character, I will say if it's, if it's someone who just keeps freaking being creepy to girls or keeps talking to 16 year olds, there's like, obviously that is a different Correct. scenario, but I'm saying one person makes a bad joke. Forgive them. Like move on. Yeah. And as divided as the internet is, actually, a lot of the people that do those horrible, awful things actually do have a crowd that does continue to support them as someone who's had to report. I know that people. is true and it is terrifying, but correct. Whatever. So so we'll end on this for me, and then we do have at least one audience question. I'm sure more will come up as we go. But you know, you mentioned I don't remember you saying this before, and I'm apologize if you had. I know you'd referenced it, but you said that wine about it is dead. And mm -hmm. I and I want to ask, uh, you know, rather than recast maya and again I, I should explain this for the audio on demand people that that don't, aren't familiar with the situation earlier this year there was some controversy around gambling on on twitch and uh, the streamer train accused several people including maya higa who is a guest on this show very early in this podcast existence as well as her ex-boyfriend miss kip of allegedly covering up sexual abuse which maya denies that she did maya has since apologized for her involvement in that situation and said that uh, she'd be disconnecting from the internet for the foreseeable future and has gone dark since. For the, those, again, unfamiliar, Cutie hosted a podcast with Maya called Wine About It. I believe it was once a week or all, close to once a week. Uh-huh, once a week. And rather than trying to salvage it with all its success, I mean, it's very successful Apple podcast feed, et cetera, which is very hard to build as someone who works in the audio space. Um, what is the decision to just kill it and move on? It's not my decision. My... Only option is to respect her decision. I understand what she's been going through. And all I can do is support her choice. I'm, again, devastated over it. Um, you know, it's not only a podcast. It's a big thing in our friendship. And it's really hard. I'm a transplant. I'm not from California. I don't have very many friends here. And the streamer industry is a very isolating place. And she was she was that she was my person she came here once a month we filmed the podcast it was an outlet it was very successful it was doing more than just being a podcast it represented women in the space 
doing yep. something fucking sick and being good at it and being successful at it. And guys watched our podcast. It wasn't just for girls. And it was, we were just funny and it was good. And so I'm sad, but you know, I can't understand everything she's been going through by um, making one bad decision of going to somebody's house. And that was the one bad decision. And that sucks. It's really fucking awful. But there's accountability that she is holding herself to. And I respect that. That's fair. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. I appreciate it. Our first audience question is going to be from Ethan Garcia. This is a much more lighthearted question about League of Legends. Great. Um, <laughs> about League of Legends. Ethan's former colleague of mine who covers League and other things at Dot Esports. So if Ethan wants to come up and ask, I believe my team has invited you to do so. So hi, Cutie. Nice to talk to you. I actually wanted to ask you a question about League, and I don't know why I don't have it pulled up. Here it is. So you've been a stable part of the League community for a number of years now, and you've obviously vocalized how passionate you are about League and its professional scene and even just the game itself. And you've also been featured at a number of the events, uh, particularly this year, you know, the LCS Championship and, and even Worlds. Uh, would you consider in the near future, you know, even though we know you think have things planned like uh, the, the Christmas concerts and all the stuff happening next year, the stream rewards and stuff like that, would you consider holding a league event yourself in the future, especially now that the game mm. is, you know, seeing a resurgence as we're seeing a lot of streamers who may have partaken in it, you know, in the past, slowly get into it with, you know, the hype of worlds still kind of existing? You know, I I would love to, but I think I'm too dumb to. Um, <laughs> so the events that I throw, they're parties. I know how to plan a freaking party and put a camera in the room in a way that's going to be entertaining. Um, I think Emmy Roo's League of Legends tournaments are like, so fun and i think they're the greatest i wouldn't know how to do one i would love to do one i would love to be more a part of the league community in whatever way they would accept me my goal for 2023 is i want to at least at least one game riot let me do it i want to be like the after game interviewer like the on stage that's like my goal i want it so badly i've probably messaged every person that works at riot like being like what do you need you want to film real i promise i'll be i'll do great i'll be you know because it's just like a dream that i want to come true but I don't know if I will throw my own tournament just because I don't know how. <laughs> I, I feel like there are event organizers, maybe some listening to this pod, certainly ones that listen on AOD because I talked to them about it that should take you up on that opportunity. Like they know, oh. they know how, to run, how to run those things and have ran league tournaments before. But that, that actually sounds really exciting. It's funny how many of us come from that background. I mean, I, I started my career yeah. in league. There have been other people that have started their career in league here and don't do it anymore. So we'll we'll end on that. I just want to ask about sort of the active decision to move away from games because it's something that we've not talked about really all that much in this pod. We we mm -hmm. breezed earlier that you've done more just chatting recently, but in terms of making the choice to go from you know streaming video games very specifically to doing sort of more diversified yeah. content, baking or just chatting or whatever it may be, why is that? Why have you like not tried to do more gaming content? And what's the decision? That is simply the viewership. It is. And I still play quite a bit of games. Like I play, you could look at my league. I still have many, many hours in league. I played, I'm really into Parkitect. I go through Parkitect phases and I played a lot of Parkitect the other day. I will try to save gaming for the end of my stream. So then the plummet doesn't hurt my soul as much, but it's just that annoying numbers game that every streamer plays. You know, if I'm in just chatting, doing something high energy for a YouTube video, I will have more viewers and then once i switch the game they drop and so that's why it's not due to 
that one's not due to passion or happiness because I love I love I could play League of Legends for 20 hours a day and I could do that on stream every day if my viewership would uh, stick with it. But they they will not. They will not do that. <laughs> That's all for our show. If you enjoyed this episode of Visionaries, you can find more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps other people find the show as well. Special thanks to Sammy Daig and Prem Thottamkara for their help with this episode. We will see you on Friday.